0: Hello, Australia. Welcome to Wish You'd Known. It's the podcast. We talk about life risk. We talk about financial advice. We talk about everything in between. We talk to the new entrants into the financial advice world. We also talk to you who are in the trenches and have been for some time and want some encouragement and maybe pick up some one percenters along the way. Now, Danny Visser is my co host. Hello, Danny.
1: Hi, Glenn. And, and hello everyone else.
0: And hello everyone else. We can't do this podcast without OnePath Zurich. They've really stepped up and got behind this industry initiative to bring this podcast to you. And, you know, there are costs, production costs and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And we're just so thankful that One Path Zurich have got behind this project. And I've had good experience with OnePath. In yeah. Zurich over the years, so have you, Danny. Yeah, look, a lot well, I've, of had, I've are-
1: had a lot. I've had a lot of good experience with um, with Zurich and OnePath. and it's really important to also put a little asterisk that these are the opinions of everyone at the table. They don't reflect the company, and this is the value of this discussion. Did they tell is- you
0: to say that, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> This is life preservation. This is, um, yeah, look, these are the opinions of the people sitting around the table rather than the companies that we all work for. But, you know, they are Glenn's opinions. They are my (laughs)
0: opinions.
2: You can cancel me, baby. This is essentially just the warning slide at the start of the PowerPoint presentation.
1: And we have a very um, exciting person to speak to. Hello, Ben.
2: Hello, everybody. Thank you very much for having me.
1: Our pleasure. And Ben... I'd love you to give the audience a little bit of background as to how you've come into a business that's risk specialty and you've got a relationship with a pretty strong general insurance brand. So yeah, if you can give us the highlight reel of why and what, oh, and what you're doing, yeah, yeah, that would be great.
2: Uh, so I started in the financial advice industry, I think in the last year of university, and I started as an assistant to a financial planner, then went into full financial planning with various companies and- decided looking at both sides of the coin, the dark side and the light side, whichever way you want to look at it, that I'd rather be a risk specialist. So about 12 years ago, I started specializing in that. And about 10 years ago, I joined a group called Osbrokers or Osbrokers Financial Solutions and started off as an employee. And over the sort of 10 years, I've now become a director and shareholder of the company.
0: That's kind of cool. And I want to just um, flag that I might you know, towards the end of the conversation, maybe swing back around if you've got any pointers for uh, people out there who get that carrot hung. It's like, oh, if you hang around long enough, you can buy in. How many people get that and they stick around and never happens? Yeah. Uh, So we can talk about that as well. Yeah, of course.
1: Yeah, how you you got your carrot noted. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
0: (laughs) Now then I think it'd be important to start with basically the lay of the land with how you get your clients. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe a little bit about the process to, I don't know, take them from, you know, I've just got my tradie policy or I've yep. just got my building
2: insurance sorted for this firm that I own uh, into your little pocket. Yeah, sure. So I guess it's important to note that Osbrokers is a nationalised group of companies and they're, they're insurance and risk management specialists uh, and they primarily focus on general insurance. So, We've got quite an active or captive uh, referral market within the Osbrokers network. And amongst that group, there's about 350,000 SME clients. So I guess our role as, as, as the life specialist within the group was to make it as easy as possible for our brokers to bring up life insurance as part of their conversation, noting of course, that they specialize in general insurance and we specialize in life insurance. Uh, so I guess I'll just go into how we sort of build that relationship. Uh, when we first started, it's it's good to note that we had some strong referral partners and then we had some that didn't want anything to do with us and then we had you know everything in between. So what we did is we, we had a look at the guys that did want to work with us, those those general insurance brokers, and we talked them through the process that they follow. We got to understand their business a little bit and, and as much as that, we then went and spoke to the next sort of tier of brokers and, and very much asked them what was stopping them from engaging with us as a life insurance expert. And the sort of biggest response that they had was that the brokers felt like it wasn't part of their speciality. So they didn't really want to get too much into it. They wanted to sort of bind the general insurance portfolio and, and then move on to the next client, go back and all that sort of thing. The other response was that historically... We may not have the best reputation in the market, life insurance specialists. You know, we 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 bind a policy. I thought you were talking about general insurance programs. <laughs> right? Yeah, they're cowboys and gals. <laughs> uh, so we we don't have the best reputation for uh, for servicing existing clients, and so the brokers would. It was almost a sort of once bitten, twice shy that they'd had previous experience where they'd sent a referral to a life insurance expert or a financial advisor, and then never heard anything about it, and. Trust is obviously the most important thing when you're talking with a client. And so for a broker to be sending a lead to you, they've got to trust the process. They've got to trust you as a professional. Uh, And so I guess that was a a big journey for us to build that trust within the network.
1: So how do you actually do that? Like, what are the steps? You've got someone who said, I don't want to deal with you, Ben you know, I've had an awful experience. How do you break, like, what's the tiny things that you can do to slowly move that to?
2: So the first thing, and I would say this to anybody, and this isn't just general insurance brokers, this is any kind of, you know, accountants, mortgage brokers, whatever it may be. The first thing I think you can do is demonstrate your professionalism. And the best way to do that is to take that referral partner through the process themselves. So, the, sort of the, the conversation that we always have with our advisors when they're talking to a broker for the first time is make sure you talk to them about their personal situation. Ask them about their husband, their wife, ask them about their role in the business, find out what their needs are so that you can then take them on the advice journey. So that broker can then become a client and anybody would know uh, within your own client base, the best referral you can get is from an existing client. So if you can turn that broker into not just a broker, but into a client, the referral is that much stronger moving forward.
0: Yeah, I would totally echo that. Um, most of my referral partners in my business were clients yeah. and just a bit of a sweetener, I would write all the risk with no commission. So I would tell them, yeah. hey, this is wholesale price. It's it's discounted. Yeah. There's no need to ever cancel this if you move away or we don't work together yeah. in the future. Take this policy to the grave uh, because I've hooked you up. Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. Glennie's hooked you yeah. up, he's yes. juiced you up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's, it's so important because once they can actually understand the process and be educated, mm. not just in theory, but educated to their own situation,
2: yep. their own family protection. Yeah, very much so. And I would encourage everybody to to do that in every aspect of their life. So I had to get the car serviced maybe a month ago. So I called up one of my brokers and I said, who is the local mechanic that that you look after as a client? And they said, this person. And I said, okay, no worries. Well, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna tell them you recommended them and this is what I do. And that mechanic is now a client. Uh, same thing, I switched accountants recently, um, just moving city, moving all that sort of thing. And the accountant that I went and spoke to, I said, look, part of this is it'd be great to, for you to obviously become my accountant, but then also I would love to become your risk broker. I'd, I'd love to find out more about your business and engage on a business to business relationship. Um, and. I guess I'll come back in a month and let you know if that was successful or not.
1: <laughs> and I mean, insurance, like taking someone through an insurance sales process isn't naturally fun. No. So how do you make that such a good experience that that GI broker says, you know what, Ben, I'm going to start sending you my clients? Because it's a bit of a grudge process. Yeah. And if I just want to get my GI done for my yeah. business client and get you know don't want to in- increase the complexity in that person's world how do you make it like i guess
2: it's it's always good to partner with a general insurance broker or specialist who doesn't see themselves as a broker but more as a risk advisor so when you look at, so for example, Glenn's sitting next to me, uh, the general insurance would look at the chair and go, right, I need to insure the chair, the microphone is holding, all that sort of thing. And because I'm a risk advisor, I want to look at Glenn and go, right, he needs to be insured. So now I need to put him in contact with somebody who's an expert at that. Mm-hmm. So it's that whole of client approach that we really encourage our brokers and our life advisors as well to talk to clients about. So we have a lot of existing clients and we now are looking to start referring them back to our general insurance brokers because- they need to be looked after in in a whole of client sense.
1: So you, you position it as an extension to the service. It's they're already management. so it makes them look like a better GI broker yep. because they've done a more complete job.
2: Yes,
0: correct. And yep. in your business, if you get a lead um, from an existing GI broker and they've just you know done the building liability and all that stuff, and they're like, "All right, go and talk to Ben." Do you say to the client, "Hey, I'm going to let"? Michelle, know the general insurance broker that we've had our first meeting because mm-hmm. I want to keep her in the loop. Yep, you know, not all your personal medical details, but just the key milestones. Um, how important is it to keep the referrer? that in, communication yeah, piece to feel is key that so in control yeah, of their client very much
2: like. so so and and i guess that comes back to the earlier point where i said we're building trust and taking them through the process one part i didn't mention of apologies and and how to make the process as simple as possible is when a client or when a broker goes through the health application, some can go left, some can go right, some can go straight through, and I don't know if those people exist anymore. But they get to understand how long the process can actually take. And so you want to speed it up as much as possible, get that pre-assessment done as early as possible, talk them through the whole thing, and then push it through. And
0: with – um, like, because technology actually makes things easier. Like, I can only speak for what I used to do. Like, after every time I met with a client, they would get an email after the meeting. And at key points in that update to the client, like, thanks for coming in today, you can just CC the referral in. Like, it's actually easy.
2: Yeah, so it it doesn't matter if it's an Excel spreadsheet, if it's Xplan, we've got a piece of software called KPRM, which keeps people up to date. But the important thing is to just, keep communication open and nothing nothing will ever beat either meeting with the broker or picking up the phone and talking them through where things are up to. Mm.
0: Would you ever do a, um, because with some of my referers at the moment, they've got a bit of a live spreadsheet, like a Google Docs. So, you know, at any time I can log in to see where the leads are at.
2: Yep. So uh, without talking too much detail. Oh, we can we talk do, detail. Oh, okay, Yeah, no, we're yeah. here for a while. Yeah. Uh, so there's a system called KPRM, which we use within the Oss Brokers Network, and it allows our brokers to log in at any time that they want to. And if you say the advice starts at, you've received a referral and there's about 10 stages all the way through to a policy being completed. We've got little stage gates that our broker, sorry, our advisors must follow and must update as they're going so that the broker can be informed of every stage.
0: Mm. Yeah, because it's just so important to, you know, the referral source, they actually don't give a crap how good you are. They give a crap about, keep me in the loop, don't dick around with my client and make sure they have a good experience?
2: Yeah, so the, the trust is obviously the most important thing and the easiest way to build and create and maintain trust is just open communication. So I can, you know, everybody makes mistakes. I can recall uh, over 10 years, I'll say it's less than five, but it's probably more, the times where I've stuffed up where I've stuffed up with a client. And the first thing I did was call the broker and say, mate, I'm really sorry, this is what I've done. This is the result how can you help me fix it? Or just to let you know, or whatever it may be. And the thing that the broker appreciated more than anything was just saying, mate, you led with your chin, you've admitted your mistake. I know what what's happened so that I can do what I can to f- fix the situation.
0: Yeah. One thing I used to do, and I don't know if you've had experience with practices you worked with, Danny, is I would tell the referral source that, hey, you're in the system linked to that client. If in five years they approach me and say, I need to review my Um, GI policies, I would always send them back to the person who sent them to me. A hundred percent. Correct. Yeah. Because they often forget that, you know, I've got so many, well, I had so many clients that, you know, they were a lead from a GI broker and in four years' time, that was a transaction that yep. I've got the ongoing relationship now. Yeah. So I would always send them back.
2: Yeah, it's it's a two-way street. And I guess this is the power of working within a group like Osbrokers is that when you're looking after the whole of client, it doesn't really matter what happens. They know that they can call one person and every aspect of their risk management will be sorted out one way or the other. Yeah. Mm.
1: And what I've seen work really well, and Ben, we were having a discussion around this earlier, is the education piece and little drips of education being quite important in building that mm. that trust, that knowledge, and that really sticky referral partnership. Yeah. What is it that you do in your education that is valued by the GI brokers?
2: So the first thing, and we've sort of mandated this as, as a company internally, is that we run education sessions for our referral partners. So COVID was actually really cool for us because everybody started using Using Zoom, all the people that said, "No, I don't ever want to do video," suddenly everybody was doing it. So suckers! <laughs> yeah, so it's been the best thing for our technology development. I just wished I invested in Zoom, but um, once once a month, oh sorry, once once every six months or thereabouts, uh, our advisors will. Aim to get all the staff onto a Zoom or or face to face, talk them through the market, and then just go through little touch points on what's life, what's TPD, what's key man, what are the prompting questions that you as a broker can ask, uh, and what's good about that is it ends up being a really informal session where brokers will just constantly ask questions, and when somebody's asking questions, they're they're engaged, and it allows that relationship to build quite quickly.
0: Mm. Hey Danny, question for you? Yeah, uh, you know Ben just talked about key man insurance or whatnot, are we ready to move to the next section? Because what I was just thinking is my challenge to everyone listening, there were a heap of 1% is in there about engagement with referral sources. My challenge is what's one thing that you are not doing in your business right now that you can implement today Mm. from listening to those.
1: And put in the My Risk Advisor group. Yeah. like Make everyone your accountability partner. If you're going to say, I want to make this little change,
2: Mm. make it
1: public so that – People can ask you later whether you you did it or not.
0: Do you know, this is funny. Um, I'm actually re-watching an old TV series called Boston Legal. Did you ever watch it? Yeah, I
1: did, Yeah. Did you ever Uh, watch it? And it
0: was Danny Crane, William Shatner, and it was this kind of old dude who had no idea and they wheel him in. I actually feel like Denny Crane with these podcasts because Danny's got the computer and all the notes there and she's <laughs> organized everything and here I am oblivious and just going with it. <laughs>
2: just for everybody listening, all I got was a glass of water. So In a wine glass. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That did no, happen, actually
1: We well, I think it's a that's a really that's a Glenn really James. subtle segue Glenn <laughs> to business insurance which makes yeah. up about 80% of what you do Ben. Yeah. Correct. And that's amazing because we all like know when we enter like I oh, certainly when I became a BDM It was the business insurance stuff that was sticky. It was obviously usually decent premiums. And yet, it's not really written all that often. Like If we look at the work that we get from advisors, business insurance is still such a small portion of that. So can you give our audience some tips on you know, how you actually position the business insurance with the client yep. to get those great business insurance deals and give us some background as to, yeah.
2: Yeah, sure. So the first thing that I would encourage everybody to do as much with your referral partners as with any client is just ask open-ended questions about their business. So if you're talking to a person who's who's got four staff, five staff, 50 or 100, it doesn't really matter. Um, the first thing that you can do is just say, tell me about the business, Take me through the history of, of how it grew. Tell me about the achievements, the failings, all that sort of stuff. And you'll end up having a great learning experience. And you as an advisor will start to learn probably more about business in general because you're exposed to so many industries. But uh, you'll start to see patterns develop over time. And what it will naturally do is lead into a conversation of, right, what does the world look like right now for you as a business owner? Now let's start getting into a little bit more of the nitty gritty about who are the key people in the business? What's the valuation of the business and move from there? Yeah, sweet. So if we talk about
0: uh, positioning exactly, so a person comes to you who needs some life risk insurance and they come to you because the broker has said, you need to consider some income insurance. You know The crap that I've got, it's rubbish. So you need to see an advisor. So when they're referred to you, the GI broker has said you need to consider maybe some income protection and I can see you've got a family I think you should talk about death cover so they've come to you and they're like hey can you juice me up with some income protection and death cover which obviously you would look at funding death cover in super and making everything nice but how do you bridge the gap between personal suite of Mm -hmm. cover and then saying but we've got other risks over this side of the fence Yeah,
2: so the referrals and the way that they come, more often than not, there might be a bit of confusion. Somebody will say, Look, I need some key man insurance and it'll turn up being there a sole trader or somebody just goes, I need some income protection and it turns out that, you know, their income would continue no matter what. It's always important to go right. The end goal here is to obviously to look after what you love and care for the most, and that's the family, right? Making sure that that's okay. But the start of the journey goes all the way back to the start of the business because the business represents a a fair portion of your equity. So we've got to make sure that the business is okay. So that if something were to happen, the business is okay, which means the value is okay and your family are okay. And then that goes back one step even further back to Keyman. So whenever I approach a client, I'd sort of, I outline that it's not just a a nitty gritty. We can't just go, yep, there's half a million dollars worth of life insurance, there's income, that's not how we do this. We're, We're advisors, we're not brokers. So go back to Keyman and say, talk to me through the business, tell me, if something would have happened to you as an individual, what happens to the value of the business? Or tell me what happens if uh, if one of your key staff, you know, if the CFO or if your high flying salesman, one of, if something happens to them, talk me through it. Don't. I often I started, I guess, when I commenced in the key man and the insu- and the business insurances. I, I I looked at a lot of the formulas that we used, and after a little bit of time, I realised that they weren't really cutting it because a lot of the formulas refer to people's wages. Or a percentage of turnover, or whatever it may be, and I, I always found that, again, that open-ended conversation. Tell me about the business, you know. You're so getting
1: them to paint a scenario yeah. of what life would look like holistically. With, so,
2: like, yep. I don't know, anything from a car yard. If Glenn's the number one salesman on the on the car yard, and and he makes two hundred thousand dollars a year, but he brings in more than a million dollars of revenue, it's got nothing to do with the two hundred. It's that net differential of eight hundred thousand. So you say, right, tell me what happens tomorrow, and and literally, you walk in the door, you've just received a phone call. Glenn's not coming in either because something – you know, six months where he's not coming in ever again, tell me what you do.
1: I worked with a very colourful advisor and he used to get someone to lie down on the floor. So he'd bring, <laughs> you know, either the husband or the wife and, yeah. he, and you know, it, it, people would laugh, but it was a really valid point. He'd be like, and this person would try and speak and they're like, uh-uh, you're not allowed to speak. Yeah, yeah. Tell, Talk me through you're what's dead. happening. You're dead. <laughs> so, and, and, and they'd laugh, but they'd have a really heavy conversation yeah. and then people around the table would realise just how little they knew also, the other loved ones, little how they knew around, what to do next?
2: Yeah, yeah. So that's that's very important, and it's one of the um, the key messages. When the, a gent named Jordan Hawk joined our group a little while ago, and. To build that, I guess, c- connection and awareness with the brokers, he ran through a story and said, look, you you as the uh, general insurance broker, you've lo- looked after uh, me as a client for a long, long time. I'm sorry to say that the owner of the business has passed away, so do they have life insurance? Or, or if it's the spouse of the owner that's calling you as the broker and said, do they have life insurance? And the broker going, shit, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear. Yeah, but, can do uh, it we're all on. adults here, right? Yeah. yeah, you've got to be 18 to be a financial advisor, I think. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so when people paint those scenarios, Ben, do they? It, I'm really interested to know whether they, do they default to the kind of the business world? You've got a mm. business owner there and you're saying, look, tell me what would happen if you're not here. Yep. Do they go to the personal element or do they go to their business first? Like what do they actually talk about I first? I always try and
2: say, look, just as much as you can, come up, compartmentalise, we'll get to the family in a second. What I want you to do is talk me through the actual business. What happens to the P&L? What happens to the value of the business because we want the business to be standing on its own two feet if you disappear for example so what that does that that's the key man conversation right and that and that sort of gives you an idea of how much insurance might be required by the business should a person disappear now that's a completely separate conversation you go bang that's done you then move on to the next stage of the conversation which is the buy sell cover or uh, shareholder protection whatever you want to call it and again it's important to cover off this first because Oh, sorry, halfway through the process because whatever the value of the shares is will obviously impact on the personal requirements. So if somebody's got a million dollars in equity, that's potentially a million dollars less insurance they might need at a personal level. So again, going into the detail, do you have a shareholder's agreement? What happens if the guy across the table leaves, you're suddenly in in business with their partner who wants to change the colour of the boardroom or you know, maybe you don't get along with them, all that sort of thing. So just making sure that that as a risk is managed. Now, insurance is one of the solutions. Uh, self-funding or gradual exit of equity, whatever it may be. And it's important to remember we're risk advisors. We're not insurance salesmen. So that's, it might be that they don't need insurance. So you say, right, you've got enough cash in the bank to, to buy the 20% of, the, of your shareholding partner, right? And, and that's fine. It's fine. It's just about managing that risk. And so, so you actually
1: start from the business, you know, yeah. if you think of it as a waterfall, you're starting at the business level because then that impacts the personal cover at the other side. Very and much so. And if you so. start the other way, which a lot of people do, you can find that that cover that you actually started with, the the levels of cover might not be great.
2: Yeah, you might end up being overinsured because you, you'll you say, right, we need $2 million to clear a mortgage and you've and you've done that. And let's say at a personal level, you've you've figured out $2 million is the number. And then you move on to the business and you go, oh, wait, there's a million dollars of equity here so i've stuffed up the first calculation because i haven't taken into account everything that happens prior
0: yeah and it's um and it's been my experience like if there's a business and there's three directors or two directors you'll get introduced to one of them usually to start with anyway you get at the table you'll end up getting you know two or three families complete protection policies and spouses and all that stuff it's it's this dance of positioning and Planting seeds and getting you know a bit of a a rough workup because you might need to be the facilitator and bring in a specialist lawyer to have the conversations of how the buy sell agreement is composed. Yep. And then because the buy sell agreement, they will need risk policy numbers, so it's kind of this um, moving thing where you might give them the application number as a, a draft thing to put in the the draft.
2: Yep. yep, document.
0: So so in terms of process, are you kind of saying to the client, look, I'm getting all your personal details. Uh, I'm not making any recommendations yet. I want to meet with you guys with the lawyer. Once we've got a bit of a direction that there will be, you know, so for example, a big business that might be worth $50 million dollars, it might get to the point where one of the directors is uninsurable, our TBD cover caps out and all this stuff. We're going to need to know that stuff before you can go back and do your SOA.
2: Yeah, correct. Yep. So I guess always going back to the to the root which is the business starts first and then it moves to the personal and what you'll find ordinarily is if your introduction is to for example the CFO but it doesn't it's not an introduction to the director someone in that business will generally have a pretty good understanding of the risks that need to be covered and if they don't you can just educate them quite simply and then just like a relationship with a broker during the meeting talking about the business you're demonstrating your expertise you're demonstrating your professionalism and, and what you want to achieve for them, right? And it might be that they don't need any key man insurance because the business is really well diversified or there's good processes in play, all that sort of stuff. And then again, you're demonstrating you're there to give them advice, not to sell insurance. Mm. And so by that point, everybody at the table is is on board and, and wants to work with you. In terms of the
0: human component of premiums add up and it's a lot to stomach, I in the business cases that I've worked with, the owners have been more interested in the buy-sell stuff than the actual ongoing key person insurance and the revenue and capital protection. Yeah. Would you say if you had to triage with uh, some small business clients and if there was a partnership in terms of their bandwidth to understand the process, go in and say, look, we'll just sort out the buy-sell first, then we'll get all this put to bed, then we can review and talk concepts around – you know, not dying within the business. Yeah. Yeah. Because there is a bandwidth for people to understand what's going on.
2: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So people get fatigue basically yeah. when you want to sit there and talk through everything. Totally. Um, and that's, so I understand what you're saying. I've found that if, if I stick to the process of saying, right, it starts at man, it then goes to buy, sell it, then goes to personal. And you explain that in a couple of minutes, the clients will generally get a really good high level understanding of that. And What can often help if somebody's got more bandwidth, say, for example, buy sell and doesn't really want to engage on anything else, you go, right, key man, this is what, you know, I'll ask you lots of questions. This is what I think may be required in this scenario. They'll generally just shut you down and go, not interested. And you go, that's fine because I'm a financial advisor. I need to talk through all of your circumstances. I need to explore where we need to put uh, cover in place. And if they just decline it, then you just move to the next section. And so clients that are more interested in buy-sell will end up having more in buy-sell and decline to proceed in other areas.
0: What I used to, and this is fascinating because I don't get to talk, you know, weeds with people that do this type of stuff. I used to position myself as the project manager and I'll always organise a meeting with the lawyer, the accountant and me present and basically yep. set an agenda for the meeting as sure. a whiteboard because you want everyone's opinion yep. or to be aired. So at least you know this accountant, there's a problem here. They don't understand it mm-hmm. or they think that you're a shark
2: because you need to know what <laughs> you're dealing Cause, with. Because you sell life insurance. Yeah, yeah that's so, right. Yeah. So,
0: so how do you position that to bring in the other professionals?
2: Uh, More often than not, our, our partners have accountants or lawyers, so we're happy to work with whoever their chosen professionals are. We do, of course, have our own referral relationships where we can help out. But for valuations, for example depending on the size of the business, it could be a revenue multiple. It could be an EBIT multiple. uh, It could be something completely different. It could be basically what the market will pay. So that's- Could be what they agree on. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. So, and that's something that would obviously need to be reviewed as time goes on because a business today is not worth what it will be tomorrow or or a year from now. And that's the beauty of ongoing relationships is you then get back in touch with the client and you say, what's changed? Hmm. So are you saying that you wouldn't organise a face-to-face? no. I, so- We've found that most of our clients, because we've got a really good process in place and because we've got really good levels of education and succinct ways of engaging with clients, most clients, they're, they're busy, they're subject matter experts in whatever their business is. And so they just want you to sort it out for them. So we do a large percentage of our business over the phone and emails. And in Sydney, obviously there's the added benefit of the fact that you don't have to sit on the M1 for half an hour to go see a client. Yeah. Interesting. Mm.
1: So Ben, I've got a couple of sort of ending questions. So... I will make sure that there's nothing, Glennie. Have you got any other questions? I'm or you done. You're done. <laughs> <laughs> I don't
2: know if that's a positive Plus, yeah. or a negative. No, we've uh, had yeah. some.
1: We've had some. You know, real, really juicy conversations yep. around you know how you how you build the um, relationship with the GI brokers, but also how you bring that business insurance conversation and you make that something that you know completes. In terms of the personal development for our listeners, so their new entrance into the industry, business insurance is something they really want to do, but they don't have the confidence yet to host that discussion. And often I find that that's um, when talking to advisors, that's a fear that, you know, stays with a lot of advisors, even when they've been advising for many, many years. they like, I don't feel like I've got the knowledge base to host a competent, business insurance conversation, I feel like I'm going to look like a bit of an idiot in front of my client. What would your advice be? Like how would someone prepare? Because you're in a senior position in the business. You've got around about 10 advisors. Correct. How do you get them to build that confidence? What are the tangible steps that they can take?
2: Education is, is hugely important. Uh, you would have noticed, you know, for everybody that's done the face your exam, it covers every kind of topic. Uh, I believe that business insurance is one of those areas where you you should develop a specialist knowledge. So education really key. And I'm fairly certain Zurich has a, a good education program yeah, that we- The zone um, platform. Yeah, it's it's absolutely brilliant. Obviously, we send a lot of our advisors onto that one. And then more than anything, we we also like to get our our advisors to talk to brokers and ask the brokers to educate them. So we always, I guess, as life advisors, you're always telling people about life advice, right? Life insurance, key man, buy, sell. It's always really, really effective to ask the question of the broker and go, mate, tell me about general insurance.
1: Yeah. What do you do as part of that? Understand that engagement process. What's public liability? What's
2: professional indemnity? Um, Same thing with an accountant. Tell me what credits and debits, all that sort of stuff. Get to understand their business and then that will build your knowledge and your confidence. And then When you've got a good referral partner and when you've got a a business that you're talking to, it's important to remember that the business owners understand risk inherently. So that you know the, the the mechanic down the road it understands that if he's got fuel in the or he's got oil or something flammable that that represents a risk to the business and it's and it's been spoken about with a broker he understands that I don't know if there's if there's tripwires like everybody has OH&S as a risk management in the back of your mind in, as a business and every business owner is aware of general insurance uh, and the conversation is a lot less difficult than one you think it is.
1: Mm. So educate yourself Spend time with, you know, a broker or spend time with an accountant yep. and then just step into the conversation. Yeah, look, Just, just gonna, have a few.
2: You're going to stuff up um, and that's that's okay. That's part of the, the process, right? And and it might be that the the client goes, right, well, I sort of have an understanding, but I'm probably going to go talk to somebody else. And you go, all right, well, then I've made a couple of mistakes. What are the learnings that I can take away mm-hmm. from? Uh, and then as you move forward, really build a process and, and not a script, but understand that if you take a client through – a conversation that you're confident that's going to cover off all the questions, you're going to you, – one, you're going to get the client to understand, which is the most important thing, and you'll end up being able to provide a lot more advice.
1: Mm. And my final question is what do you wish you'd known that is re- works really well for you now when you started out in your – Well, like I said, I journey? wish I'd
2: invested in Zoom, Maccabi Diva three times, <laughs> a couple of other things – uh, the biggest one would be, I wish I'd taken a more active interest in my referral partner's businesses and what their portfolio looks like. So if you talk specifically to brokers, I wish I'd understand more about general insurance, the the types of businesses, the types of industries, all that sort of thing. Uh, the, so that would be the most important thing, I think, is understanding my referral partner's businesses and asking more questions about them. And then the second piece I guess would be probably the key man component is everybody always insists on using formulas and I think that's a good base for potentially those that don't have a heap of experience. But if you could just sort of realise that just like every other fact find... An open conversation is a much better way to find out about your clients than specific questions.
1: The scenario process that you use.
2: Mm. Yeah. So I don't know if I'll ever get somebody to lie down on the floor, but that's (laughs) that sort of approach. Give
1: it a go one day.
2: And quickly,
0: um, any advice for those who have had that carrot of. Oh, you hang around here long yeah, enough. Yeah, this
2: one's, this one's not the, the funnest conversation to have with a lot of people because I end up talking to a lot of advisors. Obviously, there's a lot of movement um, that have been promised a lot of things and it's never come to fruition. A lovely part of being part of the Osbrokers network is that when somebody says something, it actually does happen. So when I first started, they spoke about becoming an equity partner. Uh, I... I worked my butt off essentially for, a, for quite a while and, and made that happen. And we've spoken to some of the senior advisors within our group about the future and what that might look like. And we very much support that because it's important for those people that haven't been able to start their own business, it's a really good model that provides skin in the game to, to people that want to work hard. What
0: um, So my problem in some instances – if it's a smaller firm mm. and they're like, oh, we'll give you 5% in yep. four years. Like to me, that's golden handcuffs. Yep. And I'm not dicking around giving my ass for 5% if I don't have actually a genuine seat at the table. Yep. Um, is there anything that people should look out for or is it a discussion maybe that, okay, if you are serious in having me buy into the mothership, mm. can you put on in writing – a runway with some milestones yeah, correct. that we can so both, yeah, definitely, that we can both agree to.
2: Yeah, so have it in writing um, and get some signatures on it. There's nothing that's more sure than that. And other than that, I guess every story that I hear is about somebody who's betrayed somebody, and that's it's going to. I can't think of any way to completely remove that risk from from any sort of future promises, other than get something in writing, get it signed.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I've just betrayed the parking meter, so we need to wrap this up because I'm five minutes over. (laughs) So, Ben Donald, thank you so much. And
1: Danny
2: and
0: Zurich, thank you very
1: much for having me. Yeah, Thanks, Ben. Thanks for joining us. And thank you for
0: everyone for listening. If you do want to contribute more to this conversation, make sure you check My Risk Advisor out in the Facebook world. We're a group. We're growing. And And if you
1: have specific questions or you have specific guests you would like us to get on the Wish You'd Know podcast, let us know as we we'll do it.
0: Slide into our LinkedIn DMs. i got to tell you us. guys, it's really exciting to be here, so definitely. <laughs>
1: <Hey>. <laughs> Come on, Ben. You've been a great guest. Thank yeah. you so All right. much. Thanks very Ta-ta. Much.
0: Ta-ta. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. If you are in the advice world and you've made it this far, my question to you is who can you forward this episode to? Thank you so much for listening. This was made possible because of My Risk Advisor. You can head over to the Facebook group, My Risk Advisor, and join in on
2: the conversation.